slash 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh my goodness. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome into the Mass and All Access podcast presented by Northern Virginia Community College. Nova makes college better. You can learn more at boldlynova.com. Welcome in on this beautiful Tuesday afternoon to the Mass and All Access podcast. As you can see, I am here alone, which is nice because I can stretch out, but I do miss uh, my friend Bobby. He is not here with us today because he's in Miami and I keep looking outside. We're so lucky because we have beautiful weather here today, but then Bobby pulled up his Zoom call and he has a beautiful view of the bay behind him uh so that kind of gave all my optimism out the window and Bobby you are one lucky duck yeah yeah it's uh it's beautiful down here in Miami I was trying to show off that I actually am down here but uh, my hotel is going under pool construction so I didn't want that to kind of it's been hammering all morning so it was an early morning wake-up call for myself but I didn't want to hear them of course now they're taking their lunch break so probably could have sat outside on the balcony to show off the actual blue but yeah you get the water view no pool availability for me though i see next door does so maybe later today or tomorrow morning before i head over to the park i can take a quick dip because my pool is barren and empty yeah bobby you can get down there work on your tan while we're up here it is sunny but you know how this maryland weather is in may we're barely into summer yet um but bobby is this your first time down there uh to the marlins stadium this is my first time at uh, Lone Depot Park. I, I keep forgetting to call it that. I keep going on Marlins Park. Yeah. My first time in Miami, period. I've never been down to this city. Um, and my very first solo road trip. Of course, we've made road trips as the collective group during the postseason, the playoffs. But I've never made an actual road trip covering the team by myself. Gave Mark Zuckerman a much-deserved time off this week before he heads out to Milwaukee on Friday. Uh, so I'm riding solo down here just to meet a couple of beat writers covering the team at a very empty and quiet Marlins, I mean, Lone Depot Park. Bobby, is it peaceful to be down there by yourself or do you kind of miss us, miss the action of having oh, everybody miss on your you. road trip? No, I miss you guys. I miss being in the studio. It's always a fun time. I heard you guys, you know, joking around before we got went on air and it's, it's always fun to be there. But it is cool. I mean. I think Miami is a good place for me to start because like I said, there's no pressure at Lone Depot Park. Literally, there was 6,000 people there, if that, last night uh, in game one of this series against the Marlins. I think the guys, the team, seems way more relaxed on the road um, than we'd see them at home, especially at an NL East ballpark where they're obviously very comfortable. They go visit there eight to nine times a season. Um, so it's just been a little bit more of a relaxed atmosphere down here it's miami everyone is tan and, and beautiful and you know having a good time so it's it's definitely been a, a good place to start my road trip i don't think i'll get the same vibes in miami as i will in cincinnati in a couple of weeks but uh, at least i'll have my feet wet by then and, and be a little more comfortable to uh, the beat writer on the road uh, kind of lifestyle True. Well, hopefully you can bring them some luck the rest of this series. Uh, everybody, make sure you're following along with Bobby's coverage, of course, on MassInSports.com and at Bobby underscore Blanco on Twitter for the rest of this series. Um, today, Bobby and I are going to be talking about the MVPs of this past week. Of course, there's been some high highs of this offense um, with the Nationals, and there's been some lows over the past week. So we're going to talk about who were our MVPs in this lineup over the past week. But before we get to that, we do have an update 
on Steven Strasberg and Joe Ross. It seems like every podcast we're hearing more and more about them, which I think is a, a really good sign. Strasberg, of course, had that thoracic outlook surgery last summer and Ross recovering from a surgery to remove bone spurs from his elbow earlier this spring. The update there is that on Friday, they both threw in a simulated game uh, for the Nationals and now they're going to be on the same schedule. So it's going to be a regular five-day throwing schedule. Um, Davey Martinez described it as similar to spring training, ramping up their arms the same way guys do in spring training. And then of course, once they're ready, they will each go on their rehab assignments. So it's good that we're hearing more about these guys but of course you want to see them up as soon as possible yeah i think their five-day schedule uh, they last pitched their sim games on friday so that would play to place them to pitch again uh, tomorrow wednesday so we'll probably get an update from david martinez either later today or, or at the latest tomorrow afternoon on how that went um yeah right now being placed on a five-day schedule that puts them on track to be back by mid mid june ish um you know when they start their rehab assignment, they have to, they can only be on a rehab assignment for 30 days. So after that, they have to be kind of shut down again or, or replaced on the injured list. So um, hopefully that this is a good sign moving forward. They're getting pitches ramped up for Strasburg. You know, we've talked about this before. It's, it's been very confusing and not quite sure what's going on right there, but how he, we thought he was just ramping up for the regular season and now he was completely shut down. Now he's changing his mechanics. Um, but it's a good start. And for Joe Ross, I mean, this is a guy who also had Tommy John surgery and obviously way more recently than Strasburg. Um, and to have a, a, an injury in the same elbow just a couple of years after that last summer, I mean, it's, it's scary. But the fact that he didn't need another TJ, it was just a bone spur removed in March, um, and that he's been able to get back out there on the mound and throwing pitches, that's a good sign. I think now the question is, Amy, you know, once they start getting ramped up and go on to rehab assignment and – get closer and closer to this Nationals rotation, who gets bumped? Uh, we saw Aaron Sanchez last night. He would be a guy that's probably fighting for a spot in this rotation once Strauss and Ross are back. You know Josiah Gray is going to be there. Johanna Don has struggled. We'll see him tonight um, at, at Marlins Park. Can he turn around his season, or will the, the Nationals you know, option him down and, and just give him some minor league innings instead of you know struggling up here at the major league level? So that's going to be a question that we're going to be facing over the next month or so as Strauss and Joe Ross get closer and closer to the major league level, who's going to get bumped from this rotation once the Nationals deem that they're ready to rejoin the major league club? Yeah, exactly. Even in the Nationals' two wins this past week, they were still giving up a lot of runs. And we talked about it. There's realistically six guys who can be starters in this rotation right now, whether they're going to bump guys to the bullpen or what they'll do. But we do know that when Steven Strasburg and Joe Ross are both back healthy, of course, don't want to rush them. But this rotation is going to have a completely different look. And I think it's a look that Nationals fans are really looking forward to. So hopefully we'll see them soonest, probably by the end of June. So, But good to see that they're throwing back on a schedule and next up for them will be to go to their rehab assignments. So moving on, we mentioned it. Nationals had some ups and downs of this offense this week, but there were three main guys who were able to stay consistent throughout those week. And those are going to be Bobby and I's MVPs of the week. And I think Bobby, first we have to start with Michael Franco, who right now leads the team with 21 RBIs tied with Josh Bell, who we know has been on fire, but to see Michael Franco, who wasn't going to be this everyday third baseman. Uh, Carter Keeboom got hurt. He stepped up and look at him now. Yeah, I think Michael, Fra- I mean, with Carter Keeboom, I mean, he's the reason that Michael Franco is here, right? The Nationals obviously did not think that he would be ready to take a full time 
uh, spot at the third base level. Now he's, of course, hurt on the 60-day IL, so we're not going to see Kibum for a while now. Um, and then Michael Franco, he's a veteran. We talked about this when he signed with the Nationals on a minor league deal. We, they, he's a veteran guy. He's been around the block. They know him pretty well from his time in Philly um, and, and in the past couple of years when he was playing before the Orioles. So, you know, it was a low-risk, high-reward type of thing where at the very least he would get solid third base play. He's been able to provide that. A couple of mistakes here and there, but for the most part, been pretty solid over at the hot corner. And yeah, the 21 RBIs, I think it's just a product of where he's hitting in the lineup because you look at the, you look, look at Juan Soto, who only has 11 RBIs on the season, but he has, leads the team with eight home runs. It's because most of them are solo jacks. So mm-hmm. guys aren't getting ahead of base of Juan Soto, but Juan Soto and Josh Bell and Yadier Hernandez are getting on base, setting the table for Michael Franco. So I think Michael Franco is benefiting from the guys above him in the lineup getting on base. And then also, you know, just kind of doing what he brought in to do, make clutch hits. He's only batting through 257 on the season, which, you know, isn't fantastic. But for, uh, you know, a journeyman third baseman, I think you would take that with the solid defense. And then, yeah, the 21 RBIs over 37 games-ish. That's, I think that's a pretty solid output for Michael Franco. And you, you'd be, I think everyone was surprised to see the RBI leaders being Josh Bell and Michael Franco. Yeah, exactly. Like you mentioned, the numbers aren't, you know, crazy good or aren't glaring good, especially that batting average. But a lot of it does have to do with where he hits in the lineup. Like you mentioned, hitting behind Bell, hitting behind who hosts Soto, who have the best on-base percentages on this team. They're setting Michael Franco uh, up to drive in runs. So that's really good. And Davey Martinez said one of the, the main things is that he's a high ball hitter and he's laying off those low pitches. He's not hitting as many balls on the ground and he's developed a really good relationship relationship with the hitting coaches Um, and so they said he's working really hard and they thought he could have a bounce back season after last year and you're kind of seeing that now so good things coming from Michael Franco hopefully he can keep it up because you know driving in the Juan Soto's driving in the Josh Bells is going to be key to keep putting up um, you know these bigger offensive numbers like you saw in that 13 run game against the Marlins I mean that's when you saw this electric offense and Michael Franco was one of them yeah and and I think he's earned himself a little bit of a promotion up the lineup too I think a while back we were seeing him hitting like as far down as eighth um in this lineup and then now he's back up towards like the middle of the order behind uh, uh Soto Nelson Cruz, of course, not in the lineup last night. We'll talk about him in a second. But Josh Bell and Yadiel Hernandez, who are now the heart of this order, and Michael Franco's right there, like, spatting six or seven. So he did kind of earn himself a promotion, a little bump up in this lineup recently with the way he's been hitting and making clutch hits with guys on base. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the biggest thing is that he's earning all of this. He wasn't going to be the everyday starting third baseman at the beginning of the season. Carter Keep, boom, you know, gets hurt he steps up to the plate and now he's your everyday third baseman and he's doing what the nationals need him to do so kind of in seasons like this where you have a lot of what you might call placeholders in some of these positions is you're going to get some surprises we talked about it last week the surprising storylines um of this season and you know michael franco's kind of becoming one of them so you have to like what you're seeing from him Another MVP of our week is Yadiel Hernandez, who kind of has a similar storyline as far as you didn't even necessarily expect him to be on the opening day roster. He beat out Andrew Stevenson for that last outfield spot. And now Davey Martinez really can't keep him out of the everyday lineup. Yeah, Davey mentioned this yesterday. He was actually asked about Lane Thomas and trying to get him more at bats. And this also came before we found out that Nelson Cruz was going to be scratched from the lineup. 
uh, and which we can touch on again in a little bit. But he was asked about Lane Thomas, and David was like, "Look, I I can't take Yadiel out of the lineup. He hits. That's all he does." And we saw it last night. He was the only one to drive in a run off Sandy Alcantara, um, uh, who dominated the Nats over eight innings. So this guy hits. The other impressive thing about Yadiel last night is that he went the opposite way for that RBI single in the top of the first. Um, it's impossible. He got bumped up to the cleanup pole after Allison Cruz got scratched. And you can make the argument that he probably deserves to stay there even after Cruz comes back. Nelson has been hitting a little bit better over the course of May, which was a good sign. So it's unfortunate that this illness struck him at a bad time. But Yadiel is taking advantage of that and hitting cleanup. We, I would be surprised if Nelson Cruz is back in Tuesday's lineup after suffering an, inj- an, um, an illness, unless it was like seriously just a stomach bug for like a 24-hour thing. But Yadiel could be hitting cleanup for the foreseeable future if Cruz misses time. And right now, that's the guy, maybe outside of Josh Bell, that you would want batting fourth in this Nationals order because you, you get Bell and Soto on base. We saw Cesar Hernandez get a leadoff single last night in the top of the first as well. So if he can continue to get on base at a decent clip, uh, that's going to set up Yadiel to drive in more runs, and he might be you know, uh, competing uh, Josh Bell and um, uh, uh, Michael Franco for the leading RBI role in a, in a couple of games. Yeah, exactly. He has 20 RBIs this season. That's just one behind Franco and Bell with 21. He's hitting only three points behind Josh Bell at 330. Josh Bell's hitting 333. He has the highest slugging percentage on the team at 505 and the second highest OPS. So Yadier Hernandez is hitting, and you have to love his story. I mean, you know... Um, signed out of Cuba um, when he was 29 years old, didn't debut until he was 32 years old. Um, and now in his 34-year-old season, he he is an everyday part of this lineup. And it's such a pleasant surprise uh, for Davey Martinez in this lineup. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing that we talked about at the beginning of the season where, and this kind of relates to, I'll see this Escobar too, it's like, what if we're going to go through this rebuild, retool phase, why run out two 35-plus-year-old players in this lineup um, and in the field, why not give more opportunities to younger guys? We had this conversation a couple weeks ago with, as it pertains to Luis Garcia at shortstop. Yadier Hernandez is different. He's not blocking someone out in the outfield. The only outfielder that could possibly come up in a case of emergency would probably be Andrew Stevenson, although that you know would cons- uh, need a couple of different roster moves. But Yadiel Hernandez is producing, and, and yeah, his defense isn't great, but we just went through all the numbers. He's producing at the plate, and that's uh, for a team that right now that is struggling offensively, getting outscored 30-6 to six in their last five losses. I think you need – I mean, you just need guys like that right now, and he drove in one of their two runs last night, and I mean, I, I get it. There's not a, a long-term future probably for Yadiel Hernandez with this club, but they gave him a chance, and he is rewarding them. So you have to reward him back and keep him in the lineup, uh, no matter how bad he can. He might be in the outfield, or how much he's not part of your future. And look, and with Cruz out, this is something that we'll be talking about later today uh, when we get the new Nationals lineup. And we talked to David Martinez, but Yadier Hernandez could then fit perfectly in that DH role because you won't have to throw him out in the outfield. You can play Lane Thomas a little bit more, um, and still get Yadier's bat um, in the heart of that order.
Yeah, exactly. It's kind of a twofold solution right now because you don't have any outfielders prospects necessarily knocking on the door where Yadiel Hernandez is blocking them. And then Yadiel Hernandez is also helping his case. It's not like the Alcides Escobar situation at the beginning of the season. We were like, hey, he's blocking Luis Garcia. He's also not producing. He's also making errors uh, there at shortstop. That's not the case for Yadiel Hernandez necessarily because he is producing um, at the plate and there's nobody really knocking at the door. So that's working really well. I know Davey Martinez has to love it. Uh, Eric Fetty uh, mentioned good things about him, how he's happy he's on his team. Same thing with Nelson Cruz after the big win um, against Houston last week. Uh, you know, he just said it just, you know, shows how important baseball is uh, to the to these um, Latin players. So you have to like what you're seeing. And then number three, I think, has to be Nelson Cruz on this MVP list because of the improvement that he has made offensively over the past week. Yeah, we know about how much he struggled in April. It was a tough go for him over the first couple of months. We thought that was weird, too, because over the course of his career, he hasn't really been a slow starter. He actually has pretty good numbers throughout the first month or so of the season. Um, and it was just kind of the opposite of what we saw. And, you know, you, you do have some little bit of a risk when you sign a 41-year-old to a one-year deal. But to be your everyday designated hitter, and a guy who was probably one of the best to ever do it in that specific spot, it's a risk worth taking. And it's unfortunate, like I said, that he now has to be go – you know, he was scratching the lineup after being diagnosed with an illness, not feeling well, because he was hitting better over the course of the month of May. I mean, it's, it was only um, 11 games or so, but he was hitting, I got, I think, like above 280 something to get his batting average up a little bit better. Has struggled the past couple of games um, over, uh, but we saw him hit a couple more homers. Uh, it just seems like he's starting to find his swing a little bit better, and which was a good sign. So, him not being able to play last night, being sent back to the team hotel. Um, not quite sure. We didn't get an update after the game from David Martinez. Hopefully we'll get one from today, but you, you hope that he doesn't miss too much time because he did seem to fight like he was finding a groove and that you would hope Nelson Cruz would be back in, in order to kind of lengthen out this lineup again. Yes, Yadiel is great right now if he can hit fourth, but if he can hit fifth, that's even better because that means you have Nelson Cruz back in your lineup batting fourth and playing the DH role. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was a really uncharacteristic uh, slow start for Nelson Cruz. You're talking about a guy who's either made the all-star team um, or gotten MVP votes in each of the last nine seasons. But the last time that we talked about Nelson Cruz, which I think was about two weeks ago, uh, he had one of the lowest average launch angles um, in the league. It was like right around six degrees. He had one of the top highest ground ball percentages, over 55%, and he wasn't hitting the ball hard at all. He, I think he only barreled like six balls um, up to that point. Now, like you mentioned, we're seeing some home runs. You saw him and Juan Soto, both homer um, in the same game last week against the Mets. Davey Martinez commented on how much he liked that uh, because this is the Nelson Cruz you need. We, we've talked about how if they were going to bring him on and sign him as the Nationals DH this season, the goal probably was that he was going to have a great first half and they were going to be able to deal him at the trade deadline. So hopefully he's able to get things going and they can, you know, complete that, uh, what they had, you know, when they first signed him, the idea in their head. Yeah, he was also uh, starting to walk at a better rate already in May than in April. He only drew 11 walks in 22 games, and he had four already through 11 uh, in, in May. And then he was striking out a lot less, too. 17 Ks in April, and then only eight so far at 11 games in May. So uh, that was a better sign, too, that he was seeing the, plate, uh, seeing the ball better at the plate along with it kind of regaining that swing back. So, again, just kind of one of those unfortunate things. Injuries, illnesses are never – 
coming at a good time, an opportune time. And it's just one of those things. But like David said last night, that provides an opportunity for somebody else like Lane Thomas. You know, he wasn't in the lineup. Nelson Cruz gets scratched. Yadiel moves to the designated hitter role, and Lane Thomas has to come up and play left field. He struggled at times. He lost the ball in the corner at one time. He didn't look great at the plate. Uh, he got lucky with an RBI infield single uh, in, the, in the top of the ninth inning that actually hit off his foot first. It should have been a dead ball. Uh, but now if Cruz is going to remain out and Yadiel will probably stick at that DH role, Lane's going to have a chance to play and show this team what he can do. We know what he was able to do at the end of last season, so much so that basically played a role in Victor Robles getting sent back down to AAA and not coming back up, trying to regain that groove, whatever you want to call it, from Lane Thomas this season, um, and, and maybe just more playing time is the answer. He and Robles have basically started splitting the reps at center field with Yadiel playing the majority of left, but if Yadiel is going to be the designated hitter, maybe Lane can get a little more opportunities out in left field and, and maybe some more at-bats and find some strength. So, yes, one door closed in Nelson Cruz, but another one open for somebody else. Yep, exactly. Is there anybody else, Bobby, that, you know, st- stood out with their performance this week? Of course, Josh Bell has stayed pretty hot. Is there anybody else that would be on your maybe um, honorable mention on your MVP list? Well, we haven't talked about any pitchers, and I understand that the pitchers have been yeah, – it's been a tough go right now. I, I think Josiah Gray is obviously the one consistent starter – I think Patrick Corbin has looked better, which is a good sign. Inconsistent, you know, for the first month of the season, it seemed like every other one was good and the others were bad. I think he's put together a couple of better ones. But I'm going to go actually to the bullpen for an honorable mention. I think we got to give credit to Carl Edwards Jr., who has come along and put up a couple of zeros over his last three outings. He gave up three runs in his first appearance as a national against the Mets last week. But since then, he has pitched three and a third inning, oh, sorry, four and a third innings and only given up one hit while striking out two to lower his ERA by a lot. So he pitched an impressive one and a third last night in relief of uh, Aaron Sanchez. Um, with, with a strikeout. So that is another veteran, that guy that the Nationals got on a minor league deal that is now showing why they brought him in, right? It was a rough first outing for him, but in those few options that he are opportunities he's had since then, those three outings, he's been the Carl Edwards Jr. that we, you know, have known from a couple of years ago where he's putting up impressive uh, outings in, in the high leverage situations. He's only pitched in one victory, however, but it was a four to one game. Uh, in his second outing against the Mets, still a close game. And then, of course, it was still a, a close game last night against the Marlins when he came in. So it's not like he's pitching any blowouts during the blowouts. They become eventual blowouts. But he uh, has pitched well, and I think, in, in a couple of outings, especially bouncing back after that rough first go. Yeah, it definitely seems that the more he pitches – the more he gets settled in and the better that he's doing. So you have to like like that addition. And Davey Martinez talked about it in a pregame press conference last week um, is, you know, how he's managing this bullpen and making sure everybody is getting their innings and somebody who, you know, we continue to see only in certain uh, situations is Tanner Rainey. And Davey Martinez talked about, you know, how he's able to get him in to more games and get him his work. Yeah, Tanner needs work. And I wrote about this on MassInSports.com a couple of weeks ago, and Davey said he's a guy that can't sit around. Um, and now I think we've seen him a couple of days. I mean, he pitched, I think, in the blowout over the course of the weekend because he was just sitting around for too long. And, and here's the thing. When you're the closer and the Nationals aren't winning a lot of games, you're not going to have a lot of save opportunities. And unfortunately, that's the case, but that also can't really factor into the role that he's going to play because when you do need him, you don't want him rusty or, or, you know, out of sync. And um, I think that Rainey is definitely one of those guys that needs to go out there every three or four days, 
even if it's not in a safe situation, even if it's in the seventh inning against the heart of the opposing team's lineup, get him out there, get him loose, get him warmed up because there are going to be times down the road, look, the Nationals aren't going to go winless the rest of the season, right? They're going to have other safe opportunities. And so when those do come up, you're going to want to take advantage of them and you're going to want Rainey fresh. And the same can be said about Kyle Finnegan. I think we also talked about this a little bit last week. Uh, but Davey says that Finnegan isn't one of those guys that like Rainey. I mean, yeah, he probably shouldn't sit around for too long, but he's pretty much ready to go every single day of the week, no matter if he's on one day rest, no days rest, or six or seven days rest. And I think his actual, his career numbers show that that's pretty consistent. He has a pretty consistent ERA regardless of how many days rest he's had. So, uh, but yeah, for Rainey, it's definitely, it's a consistency thing. He needs to get out there. He's a high energy guy. Uh, he's a very focused, determined guy. So, you know, he, he needs an outlet for that, right? And otherwise it's going to get bottled up. And you can see, we saw it in Anaheim, right? It was just too long. He kind of got, you know, a little bit antsy and ahead of himself. And, and that was his first blown save of the season. So whenever he's on a regular rotation type schedule, not uh, like an actual rotation, but you know what I mean. Uh, he pitches a lot better. So Davey's going to have to find certain spots for him. Maybe, I mean, again, it doesn't have to be the ninth inning, right? We have baseball has changed their definition of a closer in, the, in recent years. The save, quote unquote, save situation could come in the seventh or eighth inning instead of the ninth when you're facing the heart of the order and the matchup dictates that this is going to be a tough lineup. So maybe Davey needs to find areas like that to get 10 rating instead of just holding off until the ninth inning. Yeah, exactly. And it makes sense that, you know, we're talking about MVPs and, you know, people that have performed well over the last week. Why you jump to the bullpen? Because the bullpen really hasn't blown any games for this team. And even in the wins that the Nationals got over the last week when, you know, the 13-run win, they still gave up runs. I mean, Eric Fetty did fine. He got through it, but he gave up a lot of runs. And that's something consistent with this entire lineup is that they're giving up too many runs. <laughs> I mean, the, the yeah, entire rotation, rather. Right. Yeah, no, it's, it, is, it is concerning. I, I mentioned the numbers and their losses. And yes, they've, of course, outscored the Mets and the Astros and their two wins, but it wasn't by that wide of a margin. I mean, it's only two wins, so it's obviously going to be shorter, but it was like third. It was like, I, I forget what it was, but it was not that much. And 30 to six in losses, that's a big margin. So you're right. Even on the games that they are winning, they're still giving up a handful of runs, which isn't great. Um, I, I guess my more concern right now would probably be the lineup because I, you would think that scoring runs gives you a better chance. I mean, it's such like a basic line, but it's true. Like the more they score, they haven't scored two or more runs in any of their previous losses. It's one thing to lose a game like four to three, five, four, whatever. And, you know, maybe you just get caught in a bad situation late in the game, but they have, and there are losses. It's the consistent across the board. They haven't scored more than two runs. So that's mm -hmm. the main concern right there for me. They're not just, and whenever they lose, it's because they didn't really score runs. It's not so much that the bullpen blew it or the starter didn't get deep. Look, that game last night, yes, Sandy Alcantara was fantastic. He dominated them. You sometimes have to tip your cap. But for the majority of that game, it was a 4-1 game. A 3-1 lead isn't insurmountable. And I think Dave Martinez was kind of harp on that after the game last night saying, look, we were in it. We, we, we thought we had a chance. And then, of course, it was the seventh or eighth inning. That kind of fiasco blew the game up, and, and it got out of reach. But for the majority of that game, they were still technically in it. I think a 3-1 mm -hmm. game, any game of the, of the week, can be a close, still a close game and you're still technically in it, but they haven't been able to do it. They've only scored one, two or no runs getting shut out over their losses the last week or so. Right, exactly. So we talked about some guys in this lineup that are MVPs, some relievers. Uh, the starters have it kind of been the opposite end of the spectrum and somebody who's been 
kind of towards the opposite end of the spectrum, surprisingly, has been Juan Soto. And you got to talk to Davey Martinez and Juan Soto after the game last night. What did they kind of have to say about what Juan Soto's been, you know, kind of a, a slump for him over the past two weeks? Yeah, it's 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 been kind of a slump. Look, I mean, the the, the overall numbers aren't terrible for Juan Soto. He was hitting 260 at any Sorry, Bobby, I think we lost you there. But yeah, the numbers, we'll try to get Bobby back here in a second. But the numbers, you know, aren't terrible because it's Juan Soto. You know, he's be able to consistently hit, be able to consistently get on base even when he's not hitting because of him having such a high walk percentage. But, you know, for Juan Soto, what, you know, is a slump for everybody else, you know, is it just seems kind of weird when we see Juan Soto not be able to hit, not seeing the ball as well as he's been able to. So, you know, Juan Soto hasn't been necessarily the brightest spot um, in this offense, but he's Juan Soto. And if he's able to get on base uh, for the guys behind him, able to continue to hit those solo home runs, um, you know, he'll be back in form and be able to complete this entire uh, lineup. So sorry, we're trying to get Bobby back back on here. If we're not able to get you, Bobby, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, so our main MVPs of this week were Michael Franco, Yadiel Hernandez, and Nelson Cruz, of course. You know, all new additions to this lineup this year, Michael Franco and Yadiel Hernandez, who we might not have thought we'd see in this lineup, uh, but here they are and they're producing. So I know Davey Martinez has to be happy about that. So I don't know if we're going to be able to get you back, Bobby, but thank you for hopping on. Everybody, make sure you're following along with Bobby Blanco's coverage um, throughout his road trip in Miami. He's doing a great job down there. You can follow him at Bobby underscore Blanco on Twitter and of course follow along with his coverage on MassInSports.com. Um, he's got you covered throughout the whole season too. I heard he's head to, heading to Cincinnati uh, later in this year so make sure you're following his coverage and also following the Masson All Access Podcast. You can follow us on, on uh, Facebook and Twitter and then of course listen on all your favorite platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the good stuff. Our podcast is of course presented by Northern Virginia Community College. Nova makes college better. You can learn more at boldlynova.com. Um, I'm at Amy Jennings News. Almost forgot my name. We're having so many technical difficulties here. A big thanks to Brendan Mortensen for producing behind the scenes. Thank you for everybody tuning in. Enjoy your Tuesday afternoon and we'll catch you next time. 